0: we need to shift the focus from how other people see us or might see us to what we're doing so it's like well why are you doing what you're doing right like what's the purpose what are you trying to learn you know at the end of the day this is actually about you and your life journey i would say think about the person who can give you perspective ask them how do you experience me how do i impact you and I think you'll, you're going to be very pleasantly surprised because we are so hard on ourselves. So, you know, getting that perspective is needed. And it will indicate to you, you know, what you should be doing in your life. And it should be those strengths.
1: I'm Emily Bellay, the founder of Vespot.com, a thriving community that financially empowers women, author of You're Not Broke, You're Pre Rich, and host of The Wallet. Today, my guest is dialing in all the way from Los Angeles. Claire Wasserman is the founder of Ladies Get Paid, a leading platform that champions the professional and financial advancement of women. Since we've all been working from home for a year and are acutely aware of the disproportionate impact that the pandemic has had on women, I was curious to get Claire's insight on how we can still show our value as we work remotely and ultimately get paid what we deserve. Claire also shares how we can open the conversation around money with our peers, the power she has seen in having your own personal board of career advisor, a one piece of negotiation advice everyone should know, how to overcome imposter syndrome, and why we should consider investing in our future. Today on our Instagram, you can win four copies of Claire's new book, Ladies Get Paid, so make sure you enter at Vespod. I'd also like to say a quick thank you to our sponsor, Pension B. PensionBee has helped over 400,000 customers be pension confident. It enables savers to take control of their finances by helping them transfer their old pensions together in one simple online plan. With PensionBee, you can manage your pension like you manage your bank account, check your real-time balance, see your projected retirement income, and set up contributions and withdrawals, all from the palm of your hand. Plus, you'll get human support from your very own UK-based account manager or as PensionBee call them, beekeeper. You can sign up to Pension Bee today with the names of your old pension providers in just five minutes. And if you're self-employed, you can start a new pension from scratch. As always with investments, your capital is at risk. Please note that this information read on this podcast is provided for educational purposes only and does not constitute financial advice. If you have any questions, you should seek advice from an independent financial advisor. Hi, Claire. Hi. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Yeah, I'm so happy we could chat. I mean, we're very far away (laughs) physically from each other, but, you know, I've been following you and your community, Ladies Get Paid, and I've read your book. And I wanted to talk with you about, you know, building your awesome community, talking about negotiation, understanding your worth. If you can just tell me, you know, where you are and, you know, what what you're doing at the moment, you're, you're doing a thousand things at the same time. Well, I'm currently
0: sitting in my pajamas in Los Angeles. I, I mean, really couldn't be farther from you. And I'm in the middle of my book tour right now, which, you know, we were just talking about. It's very strange because it's an online book tour. Uh, so, so what does that mean? And it's kind of nice because it means people from all over the world have been coming and and I've been interviewing just incredible women. It's I'm honored that you asked me to be on because usually I'm actually the one interviewing other women. So, so thank you for having me.
1: No, of course. And um, Ladies Get Paid is a fantastic book. And we were talking about the difference of cover between the US and UK. Can you tell me, you know, What's the difference in terms of culture?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the book is a, you know, the book was motivated by my frustration uh, and quite honestly, my anger around the wage gap and the leadership gap and all of these other gaps, the investing gap, the funding gap, and it is only getting worse in the pandemic. We are nowhere close to gender parity. Now, I have always thought of it in the lens of the US, right? Those are the statistics that I've been looking up. And so I wrote a book. Very much, I think, in the spirit, in the American spirit of, we need equality, we need it now, you know, and again, with that sort of anger right, and impatience. And does that translate, literally, does that translate to other cultures? I don't know. I have a publisher in the US, Simon & Schuster, and then Orion in the UK also purchased it. So I was glad to see that they felt like my message could extend across the pond, so to speak, but they felt like my cover, the US cover, wouldn't resonate which is incredibly interesting to me. So so let me explain the U.S. cover, which is bold, all right? It's black, and then in big pink letters, it says, ladies get paid, And but there's a shadow underneath the letters, right? So they're really popping out, and that's gold, gold foil. And that's very much, I think, my style. Again, bold. It's also, you know, taking back the ownership of the word ladies and of pink, right? That's historically felt really girly, but I did it in a kind of neon way, Now in the UK, it's a white background and it has sort of like thinner letters, ladies get paid with little circles behind it. And it was going to be white and gold and black, I think. But then I said, you have to add the pink like that. There has to be some kind of continuation from the US one. And here's the great news is there's always somebody who likes one of the covers. So it kind of shows the spectrum, I think, of our personalities, which again is we're lovely. But we also can be
1: loud. <laughs> and then that's the way your community is and, and your branding. And I love the pink. I love the gold. You know, I love the big letters. And we have to be very vocal about it. So I completely agree with that. Can we, you know, take a step back? And can you tell me, I mean, why did you start Ladies Get Paid and launched your, your community?
0: Yeah. So I started Ladies Get Paid unofficially in 2015. That's when I really started to research women in the workplace uh, women and money, right? Fully, you know, really understanding hold on, we're not as close to parody as I thought we were. And that's because I'd had a really quite a sexist experience happen to me that got me uh, to be thinking about these things. So I was at an advertising festival in the south of France, in Cannes, and I was there, you know, on business. I was working for another company at the time, uh, a recruitment company. And I walked into an event, the first event, and the first night. And then this older guy comes up to me and he says, Hi, whose wife are you? And I thought, oh my God, certainly not your wife, you know, but here's the thing. I mean, the whole week I had these interactions that were uncomfortable in a lot of different ways, mostly in that I was being objectified. And so I really reflected on how many experiences had I had in my career where there was just a blatant imbalance of power between me and a man and what did I do about it? And it was oftentimes me kind of twisting myself into a pretzel people pleasing right not speaking up overworking too this this you know drive to be a perfectionist you know wondering if i deserve to be in the room and never really talking about it because i was sort of ashamed right and it wasn't until i wrote a little essay about my experience at the advertising festival and and about my sort of trying to process all of this that i shared with some friends and they wrote me back and they said oh my gosh me too i have also had these experiences can I share this essay with my friends? And I said, yes. And it was really fascinating to watch this essay kind of go viral in a sense in our inboxes. And fast forward a year, and this was kind of the official start of Ladies Get Paid. A friend of mine who is a freelance art director came to me and she said, I just found out that some of my male counterparts, they're charging double what I'm charging. And so for her, the issue was twofold. Number one, there wasn't any transparency here. Like, where did she, you know, she didn't know where to find these rates. And number two, why did she not value herself? Why did she not feel like she could command that salary? And because I worked for a company, again, like I said, you know, it was a recruitment company. I was director of marketing. I had the ability to put together events that brought people together, right? I was a community builder. And she said to me, could you do an event around this? Like, how do we start sharing salary stories with each other. And I put together an event. I called it a town hall uh, about money. I wanted women to come and share stories about their relationship with money. I felt like that was going to be a lot more interesting than a typical panel where we have quote experts and then people sort of passively listening. You know, because this was going to be a conversation that is sort of taboo. What's the best way to normalize a topic that is taboo? It's to get people to feel comfortable to talk about it, right? To to just allow them in an environment where they can be vulnerable with one another. And so that was the goal. A hundred people came. It was incredible. It was so clear that there was a need for guests conversation around work and money, but also education. There were a lot of questions they had, particularly around salary negotiation that they didn't really know where to go besides Googling it. Right. And when I went home that night, I thought, you know what, there's something here. I didn't know what that something was. It's not like I thought, "Oh, ladies get paid begins. I have an idea for a business." It really was just, "We have to continue this conversation. How are we going to do that?" And I started a Slack group. I made an account. I invited everybody who was there that night on in our Slack group. There were different channels based on sort of the various themes that kept coming up that night. And very quickly, I mean, in the next few days, it was just so abundantly clear that this could actually be a business. And by what I mean is I saw these women explicitly say, here are things I want to learn. I could go out and find career coaches, get you know a company to donate their office space. I could get these women to come and I could split the ticket sales with this career coach. Like That was a next step. That was a way to get started, to do it on no money and to provide tangible resources to these women who, again, really needed help. And four years later, we now have uh, over 75,000 women from all 50 states, more than 120 countries. And you know how many messages they've exchanged since 2016? Two million messages. I mean, it is wild. Wow. Yeah. And so everything we've built has come from Slack and from the community. And I am, you know, infinitely grateful to them.
1: That's amazing, and at the moment we've been home for so long, like we're in the middle of of a pandemic don't don't get me started on you know the impact on women's finances and women's life, but can you talk about you know how that has changed you know salary negotiation, for example, because we haven't been in the workplace, women are at home, so I think it becomes like super difficult to have these like difficult conversations. How do you help women to to still like carry on and, and ask for more? while they're all at home?
0: Yeah, I mean, listen, everything that we were experiencing before the pandemic, it's just been compounded. I'm going to be a little bit positive about it, because it is so horrible. So I have been talking about the need for paid family leave forever. And I've been talking about how flexibility, you know, the ability to sometimes work from home can be actually quite helpful to women. And people said, "Eh, yeah, maybe okay, maybe we'll get to it. But now we're seeing how desperately we do need to provide support to women as they balance the caregiving responsibilities that often fall on them just by default or assumption, right? That we're expected to be this way. Uh, So there's that. I mean, also the women who've been most affected are the hourly workers, the service workers. We're not going to get our nails done as we were before. We're not going to hotels. We're not eating in restaurants as we were before. And who were the workers? Mostly black and brown women who again, hourly, they didn't have the benefits. The pay was already quite low. So this existed before. Now we have attention on these issues in a way that we cannot ignore. And so my hope is, We're gonna see some better, more progressive policies. And for anybody listening who's not in the US, I'm sure you're all nodding your head going, wow, it's taking you some time, guys, to catch up to us. But that's how you're gonna affect real change. I mean, my focus is giving women the tools for how they can self advocate in their lives and for their bank accounts. But that's only a first step, right? Advocating for yourself isn't going to change the system. So that's where I also wanna shift the conversation, right? You start with you, but then can you make change at your company? Can you lend your voice to to more sort of policy conversation? But again, for anybody listening, if you feel overwhelmed, that's okay. This, the first step is just begin talking about this stuff with people in your life. And that will, you know, that's how Ladies
1: Get Paid got started. And what has been your steepest learning curve building Ladies Get Paid and writing the book?
0: It's interesting. I had no fear starting Ladies Get Paid. Like I would say I'm a risk taker. But I've actually come to realize that as I become more publicly visible, right, like more people know about ladies get paid, more people know about me, expectations go up and then I get more nervous. So then I think, do I have the guts to, you know, invest money in myself too, right? Like I built this off of no money, but now we're ready to actually put money into this. Like we are ready to purchase a Facebook ad, which we've never done before. And that feels intimidating that's a real gamble. And it's ironic because I'm constantly telling women about going to make money and, you know, and, but when it comes to my own dollars, it's like, I get nervous about it. So I would say really like investing in ourselves financially has been scary. That's been a learning curve. And then my own, you know, with the book, I had extreme imposter syndrome and perfectionism, which was very ironic because I was writing about imposter syndrome and perfectionism as I was, you know, it was debilitating. And I have found that I am a much better educator now. I've had imposter syndrome in my life, of course. I've had perfectionism, absolutely. But I experienced it to a degree that was, like I said, quite debilitating. I I had trouble writing for three months because I kept thinking about, will people buy this? Will my editor like it? Will I get bad PR? And then my aha moment was, Claire, you cannot control any of those things. So what can you focus on? What is within your agency to do? And that's trying to be present. What can I learn? Can I find joy in my writing? Can I have fun? <laughs> and even little things like it was intimidating for me to look at the screen, you know, that that blank paper and the little blinking cursor. And so I just started to write by hand. And I had a little post-it that I looked at every day. It was on my desk and it said, write like crap. And and it made me laugh. And it reminded me, just get the damn thing out. The magic comes in the editing process, girl, like it's not, you're not writing the book in your first draft. So, you know, the first draft is just that, a first draft. But it took three months, you know, to really like get comfortable in, in this next Chapter of my life, no pun yeah. intended.
1: I can relate to that. I mean, I also wrote my my book two years ago, and same. You know, this blank page, and at the beginning, you're definitely not a writer. So how do you start? And you, f- you're just thinking about all these people reading your book. And I, I don't know about you, but you know, when it just comes out the first week. You're freaking out.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Like, what? So I basically, my joke is that I wrote the book to have a party because I was really looking forward to having a launch party. Of course, that can't happen, right? We're all online. Sort of felt like nothing happened, right? Like all of this lead up and then I'm at home. Like my life, my day hasn't changed. But, and I'm curious what your experience was, when I first saw the book in a bookstore in Barnes & Noble, I was kind of numb. Like I didn't know how to feel I I don't, which was disappointing because I expected I'd be like, you know, squealing about it. Now when I, yeah, now when I see it, I am excited. But that first time it was very out of body, which maybe was to protect myself from rejection, right? In case it doesn't sell, in case people didn't like it. Like I didn't want to let myself feel happy, but I I mean, clearly I need to see a therapist, right?
1: (laughs) In your book, actually, you talk about superpowers, which demonstrate not just what you can do, but who you are. Can you tell me what is your superpower and how do you tap into it to achieve your your goals for Ladies Get Paid and all your other goals?
0: Yeah, I think for this is something I talk about a lot when I'm counseling people on negotiating for money or interviewing or you know advocating for promotion is don't just talk about what you have done talk about how you did it and who you are because that's going to demonstrate your potential that's going to demonstrate how you fit into the team and the team dynamic and the company culture and those are all things that you know employers are looking at so again it's not just your skills so in in thinking about that and i you know i've had obviously a sense of what my strengths are in my career i mean that's what's guided me to go in a direction that really utilized my, my strengths. But more recently, I, I really, was like, I have to reevaluate this because I've been thinking about myself in terms of starting a business and not running a business or being an author. Like this is the next stage of my life. And, and this, you know, is a time to not reevaluate, but sort of reflect like, who am I now? I would say that my strength has always been my empathy, but now the real strength I have is communicating. I am a communicator and I've never really recognized and owned that before. And when I said it out loud, like my gift is the gift of communication, it made me see, ah, oh, okay, now I know what opportunities I take because of what I'm going to be best at, right? Through speaking and through writing. And I, you know, it didn't change my life to recognize that, but it did feel profound somehow. So I really encourage everybody, if it's hard for you to figure out you know, what your gift is, what your strengths are, which by the way, we all have them, I would say, think about the person who can give you perspective. Ask them, how do you experience me? How do I impact you? And I think you'll, you're going to be very pleasantly surprised because we are so hard on ourselves. So you know, getting that perspective is needed and it will indicate to you, you know, what you should be doing in your life and it should be those
1: strengths. Yeah. And I I guess to get to this point, it takes a lot of listening, maybe, I mean, listening to your community, listening to people around you, but how are you making this work and trying to grow into, you know, whatever you want to become? Are you, do you have some, do you have a coach? Do you have some mentors? Do you have people around you that are like supporting you?
0: My co-founder? Absolutely. She's also my partner. So She's been fantastic. I so I started Ladies Get Paid, but about a year into it, I brought her on and I made her a co-founder because I very much recognized what I was not good at and what the business needed, and she was able to do that. And then also we've kind of assembled a team of people who give us insight. They're not officially advisors, but they're women who also do things that champion women. They're they're women who run communities and uh, women who are part of you know who are in fintech and do money things. And so when we have a question like, Hey, we're going to do an online conference. How did yours go? Any advice? Like all of those people are kind of on our speed dial, which is why I say to folks, if you're looking for this one mentor, putting a lot of pressure on yourself and that one person, I would really think of this more in terms of like a personal board of advisors, you know, different people can give you little different things and you're not, you know, asking too much of them to just simply email them a question every now and then. So It was intentional because we realized a couple of years ago, wow, we don't talk to anybody who's in our space. Like we help other women, but who's helping us? And we, you know, we made a list. We were like, who are all the people we admire? Who are folks that we've come in, you know, we've crossed paths and to email them and to say, I would love to get a coffee or I want to get to know you better. How can I support you? And when we began to be intentional about it, uh, our network just grew and grew because those women also connected us to their networks. And we're, you know, we're very grateful for
1: that. Yeah. And people love to help. So yeah, reach out. That's yeah, it's super important. I wanted to ask you as a founder and, you know, now a writer, business owner, how do you balance? I mean, I think balance is maybe not the right word, but do you have like professional boundaries? Do you make time for self-care? I mean, it's been like a, a crazy year and I think we've been working maybe a lot harder uh, even this year. So. Do you know when to stop?
0: Yeah. I mean, listen, you have kids. I don't. So anything I say, you're probably like, oh, Claire, because I was going to say I take naps, uh, you know, and that's been very, you know, because I was working from home. I've really charted my energy. I recommend people do this. How long can you work? Not before burnout, because then you've gone too long. So when does your energy start to kind of go away? Right. And I've recognized after four hours, of sitting in front of my computer, like I can't do it anymore. So I already think about, okay, in four hours, what is my break going to look like? And I plan it. Usually it's like a 20 minute nap, right? Or going outside and just sitting in the sun for 10 minutes. That, and I've also recognized, you know, I do my best work in the morning. I get anxious if I don't work on the weekends, but obviously I need to rest. So I dedicate three, four hours on a Sunday to doing it. That also means at 6 PM, I stop working. I take the little breaks during the week and during the day that maybe yes, working less hours in a given day than somebody else, but I make up for it because I do a few hours on Sunday and that's what works with my energy and my, you know, mitigating my anxiety. And I've just burnt out before and it's not sustainable. It's not enjoyable. So I've actually gotten very good at turning off everything. Now, do I still sometimes have guilt when I'm not working? Yes. You know, I'm on Zoom all day teaching, speaking from 7 30 in the morning, you know, to the end of the day. But when I finish the day, I think, oh, I didn't get enough work done. Because in my mind, I'm only thinking, oh, well, if it's sort of computer work, right? If it's the spreadsheets, it's the writing, and I'm almost not counting my teaching, my speaking, my podcasts, but that is work and that takes energy and that's helping the business. So even though I'm doing a pretty good job with balancing everything, I still have to kind of combat how I look at work. And oh, that, that guilt that just is sort of always there, even when I'm able to stop working. I don't know. Do you have any suggestions for that? Again, you've got kids, so you, you're you probably doing a great job at this, just simply out of necessity. You know, you don't want to lose your mind.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. By necessity, you have to stop working at, at some point, but then the danger is, you know, starting to work again, you know, in the evening or, or during the night. Uh, but you're right. I think the guilt is always there. And, and we've been wired to, yeah, work is like, you know, being on, on our computer. Yes, For me, yeah. the guild is always there. And I worked in investment banking, you know, super hard work and stuff. So I was making all my hours. And now if I don't make a certain number of hours, I feel I haven't been working. And one thing I started doing this year is I bought a very nice agenda where I can write every day or at least every week, you know, what happened during the week? Like what are the top three things that I did during the day? And to be honest, that makes me feel better because sometimes you feel you haven't been doing anything during the day, but at least you can go back to this and you say, yeah, actually, and and you do a lot, but you know, sometimes you just forget because as you say, like, you you know, we're doing like public speaking and zoom and this and that, Uh, but there's so much stuff you do and you don't, you don't necessarily realize. So sort of like journaling for me, is quite helpful at the moment.
0: I think that's great. You make an excellent point.
1: Now, if we talk a little bit about money and you've been talking about, you know, how to transform ladies get paid into a business, obviously you'll need money, even if it's not the end goal, but you need to hire people, you need to, you know, organize your really cool events and stuff. What is the role and the importance of money in your life and in your business life?
0: Ah, well, you know, it's been tough to really figure out how to monetize our company because from day one, we knew we wanted it to be as inclusive as possible. So we didn't want to charge people membership. We wanted Slack to be free. We didn't want to charge a lot of money for our events. We also wanted to do free events. But then the question is, well, I want to have a nice life. You know, it's like we're giving advice to other women about how to have wealth and power. Meanwhile, we're, you know, eating chickpeas every night here and cans of beans. So you know so then it was okay here's our question if it, if we're not trying to monetize our community it's interesting it's like who's our customer right we've got the customers that don't pay and then you need the customers that pay well it's brands it's the brands that want to market to women it's the brands the companies that want to hire women uh, it's the companies that want to provide career development and programming for their own employees you know to keep them engaged to keep them happy and they've got budgets so we then built a whole business where We program for our community, but we also work towards integrating brands and their message. So in a way, it's almost like we're an experiential marketing agency, right? Then COVID happens. Okay. So all of these brands, they're like, we don't have any budget. And also they'd been doing in-person events with us. So then we had to rethink, okay, how are we going to do this? So we created a video library. We have all of this content. And it's better for us and it's better for the customers if you can get access to a hundred plus hours of video around financial and you know professional development. And it's just nine bucks a month or $98 a year. That's a lot better for you than paying $10, $15, you know, each time you go to a class. And there could be, you know, four in a given month that you go to. So this is a better deal. That's recurring revenue for us, right? And it's quote passive income, which is always the goal. You know, that was a game changer. Now brands have come back. It's not all brands, but fintech. They have budgets. They want to partner. They want to do things online. So that's great. We're going to migrate off of Slack or or maybe we'll always have Slack, but we're, we're developing a different platform that's just going to be a lot more robust and have a lot more of a, a formal job search because people right now are on Slack and they're posting job openings and people are getting work. But we don't pay for Slack. They don't pay for Slack. And what happens is every couple thousand messages, it deletes all of the messages that came before it. And because two million messages have been exchanged, something that's posted yesterday might not still be there today. You know, we're we're tooling around and seeing about building something else that we, you know, you will have to pay for. But if you don't want to be part of that, we'll have the free version too. So I'm feeling very positive. And in that respect, COVID's been good because it really forced us to dig in to our online programming and our online monetization Whereas before, you know, we were doing a thousand person conference in person. The expense of doing that is so high. You know, that's the blessing, I guess, of now is it sort of forced us to do the things that we had been putting off, but that will actually make us money in a more sustainable way.
1: Thank you for that. And, and can you just tell me wh- what is money on a more like personal level and and how, I mean, as a founder, it's really hard and, and I can relate to, to what you've been saying because my goal is also to empower women financially, but I'm building, you know, I've, I've started from scratch. Uh, so it takes time to, you know, build a business and startup and make sure you don't forget about yourself and you pay yourself and you put money into your saving and you put money into your, your pension. So do you actually do that? Is it one of your priorities to make sure you pay yourself and your co-founder pays yourself?
0: Oh my goodness. Yes, 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 of course. And it's interesting. So this year we were able to reduce our expenses. So even though our revenue was down, our profit was higher because we cut down on those expenses. So, you know, I just wanted to caveat, like at the end of the day, it's not so much how much you make, but it's how much you spend. My big journey this year has been really rethinking investing. I really wasn't that educated. I carried a lot of, you know, very risk averse mindset I'd never dug into that. And so I'm actually in the midst of getting a certificate in financial psychology and behavioral finance. So that's just from a psychological standpoint, I'm really fascinated with our money mindsets and sort of the ways that we can kind of get in in our own way. Now I have, you know, a proper investing account. I've become a a bit of a retail investor. No, I did not invest in GameStop, but (laughs) actually my partner did. We've dabbled in options trading, you know, again, and I don't recommend that for anybody, but, or, you know, for everybody, unless you have extra money to do that. But point being is I just never really explored it before. I thought I was done with my 401k, but guess what? the economy went down here in the US went down everywhere I think but our stock market went up. And so both me and a lot of members in my community are like, well somebody's getting rich. Who are these people? You know, and and it but it's always been like that. I kind of said that at the beginning, right? There have been people who have always made money. Why not us, right? And and in a large part that does come from investing. So that's the big thing now in our community. We're doing a lot of education around investing, the different kinds of investing. And how to shift our mindset from one of like total risk aversion to really seeing this as the opportunity to build generational wealth. It's not just about the buck that you're making tomorrow, but it's what you're going to give your family.
1: Yeah, you're right. So making more money, saving it, investing it, and then yeah, passing it on to the to the next generation. But I love that, you know, you started with how to earn more money. So I just like to ask you like two questions about negotiations. So the first one is, How do you take up more space as, as a woman, especially maybe in the workplace, but I think it's also valid for, you know, entrepreneurs and freelancers, how do you put yourself out there and making sure people see you, they understand your value, because that then is going to have an impact on, you know, the way you feel about negotiating and also how much money is going to end up in your pocket.
0: Yeah, I mean I think before you can advocate for yourself you have to deeply believe that you are worthy of advocacy. So that's a lot of that internal work, right? Reconciling imposter syndrome, right? And perfectionism which, you know, I'm happy to talk more about how to do that. But once you've really established a more solid foundation of, you know, that self-belief, it's not looking at self-advocacy necessarily as I have to make a big announcement or this is, you know, I'll do this when it's my annual review. If you wait to have the conversation, it's too late. So, what do I mean by this? Basically, how do you consistently in small ways demonstrate your value? Things like forwarding your boss to like a nice email you got, giving you lovely feedback or, you know, every week, here are the greatest hits. You know, here are some things I did. It's not bragging. It'll make them feel good because their success is contingent on your success. They have to report to their boss that their team is doing well. So keep them informed. Build relationships with people at the company who have influence. Cold email them. Introduce yourself tell them some research you did about them, ask a question, keep in touch with them by sending them articles that you think, you know, that they'd find interesting, right? Like you can bring value to them as well, just by simply being a curious person with a desire to learn. It's flattering, quite frankly, you know, to them. And so it's not just about you advocating for yourself. And this is what men know how to do quite well. It's about Finding allies who can amplify you or speak on your behalf when they are in rooms that you are not invited into. So, again, kind of constantly letting your boss know that you're doing great work, building relationships with people of influence, and then making sure every single meeting you have to speak up. And it doesn't have to be some groundbreaking idea. It can simply be Hey, I thought Ashley had a great idea. I just want to give her a shout out. That's lovely. People now see you, you're visible, you look like a leader. And it's demonstrating to everybody that this is the kind of support we need to be giving to each other. So I think if everybody does those three things, it'll just be natural. Like it's not going to feel again, like I'm getting up on a stage with a microphone and explaining who I am and my value.
1: And at the beginning, you said how to overcome imposter syndrome. And you talked about your own experience with imposter syndrome, but, you know, for anyone listening Do you have a few tips about, you know, this and and, and how perfectionism is basically, you know, getting in the way like all the time?
0: Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, we need to shift the focus from how other people see us or might see us to what we're doing. So it's like, well, why are you doing what you're doing, right? Like, what's the purpose? What are you trying to learn? You know, at the end of the day, this is actually about you and your life journey. It's about seeing progress. As opposed to like waiting until the end for this like big achievement, success, accomplishment. But listen, if today I was able to push myself and work a little bit more smart, right, than hard, okay, all right, that's progress. Today, instead of an hour of freaking out about this like mistake I made, maybe it's 15 minutes that I feel, you know, worried about. So that's progress. So it's really sort of breaking it down, making it small. And I also think just sharing it with other people, it's going to show you're not alone, which you're not. And sometimes realizing that this is universal can give you, ah, like, it's going to be fine.
1: This isn't my fault. Well, thank you so much. And my last question is, what piece of negotiation advice should every woman know about?
0: Yeah. Well, first of all, you can negotiate, right? That is something they expect you to do. It is part of uh, an exchange of goods and services, right? So the first offer is really just that. It's a first offer you need to come prepared with a few numbers. Assuming that they say no on the first number, what's the second number you're going to have? Of course, all of this has to be rooted in the market research that you do based on your context. So it's the number of people at the company, location, if you've got any extra skill set, right? A master's degree, because they're calculating your salary based on what's called a pay band. So it's a range. And so the negotiation is a conversation of, well, where should I be on this range, right? And if you don't get the number that you want, you say, "Okay, how about this number? This is based on the market research I did. I'm a top performer, you know. I, you know, so I believe that's commensurate with top dollar. I know that you pay fairly. I know this is a company that values gender, you know, equity, pay parity." So can we get closer to this number and that you suggest, or what can we do together to figure it out, right? So it's asserting the number you want, right? Taking the power, but it's also inviting them into a conversation. So it's not this combative you win or I win, right? You both know that you want this to work, right? If you were at the place where you're even getting an offer or you've worked there long enough to negotiate, you know, to get a salary increase, you're on the same team. And then at the end of the day, you know, there's other things you can get besides money, right? Money isn't everything. So what could bring you value that the company is willing to pay for or to just give you? And that's honestly career development. Get them to pay for classes. Metro card, right? If you take the subway every day, a gas money, your cell phone. Right? And if you're thinking right now, well, Claire, if they can't pay me more in terms of my salary, you know, how do they have that money? Different departments. They can take budget from anywhere. And if they want to make this work, they will make it work. And pay attention to how it goes, right? If you're not feeling good about this conversation, you know, if your instinct it's it's kind of off during this negotiation, that's how the relationship will be. So everybody should pay attention if anything feels off during the interview and negotiation process. You may end up not wanting to work there and this is also a relationship that you're going to be in for at least a year. So it's not just about them and making them want you, it's also is this going to work for you?
1: Thank you. That's super useful. Yeah, lots of work to be done. I guess women need to go into these negotiations because we need to get more money. I have three quick fire questions for you. What's the best financial decision you've ever made?
0: Bringing Ashley, my partner
1: co-founder on. (laughs) What is the worst financial decision you've made?
0: Not checking my bank account. For years, I was afraid of checking my bank account, which is interesting. I was afraid of seeing how little was in there. And then I remember looking at it and going, wow, there's a lot more than I, I thought that was in there. I was making myself feel really <laughs> bad and I didn't need to.
1: And what are the things you spend the most money on at the moment? Oh, Amazon.
0: I'm sure everybody like this is what we do in COVID. Just the, you know, every day getting a package, it feels like Christmas. And then emotional spending. What do you buy? Well, I've convinced myself that I need all those things, right? So I'm like, you know, I'm buying the toothpaste and the deodorant and all those things. I've, but I yes, I have purchased a number of items of clothing that I am have returned. So I'm also constantly returning things. But of course, it goes back into my Amazon account. So I'm in a perpetual spend. And but I'm, you know, we cut down so much of our expenses, that if this is what I'm spending on, and this is it, then I'm okay.
1: And you started investing. So there's money that goes directly there.
0: Yeah. Although, you know, perhaps we all need an Amazon intervention. I feel like I can't
1: be alone in this. Uh, no, you're, you're definitely not. Is there anything else you'd like to to share or recommend to anyone listening to this episode? I think just, just start
0: talking about it. I know I said that before, you know, if you feel uncomfortable talking about money, or talking about salaries, blame it on me, uh, blame it on Emily uh, and our books, right? I mean, just, You contextualize it by saying, I've been reading about the wage gap and the pandemic. And, you know, by me asking about your salary or by bringing up money, like that's doing a service to them too, right? Uh, Because we all need it. We all want it. And so that starts with talking about it.
1: Claire, thank you so much. It was so nice to, to chat with you. We can find you at ladiesgetpaid.com, your book, Ladies Get Paid. I'll share all the links. You're going to be on our social media. Where can we find you? Can we find you on Instagram, LinkedIn? What is the, the best way?
0: Yes. So all of the ways, I would say Instagram is probably the best way. I'm at Claire Gets Paid. I do respond to every DM. So I would love anybody reach out, keep me posted. Join Ladies Get Paid, ladiesgetpaid.com. That's where you'll get invited to Slack and it's free. So I would say next up, ladiesgetpaid.com, ladiesgetpaid.com slash book and Claire gets paid.
1: Thank you so much. And um, yeah, I hope to meet you in person at one of your awesome conferences one day.
0: Thanks for having me. Stay in touch. And one day we will travel and we will meet.
1: If you enjoyed this episode, please take a couple of seconds to rate it on your favorite podcast platform. Also, don't forget to join our community on Instagram and Facebook and to subscribe to our newsletter on Vespot.com. Feel free to email me with your comments and questions over at emily at Vespot.com. Thank you. Speak to you soon.